Movie Mavericks. The Movie Mavericks Podcast. Movie Mavericks, speaking of fucking long, uncut European cocks. The Movie Mavericks Podcast. Now for your hosts, Jason and Trevor. I can't wait. Hey now, everybody, welcome to episode 312 of the Movie Mavericks Podcast. I'm Trevor Anderson. Send you over to Jason Rugard. He's got a rundown for us. On the last podcast of 2016, huh? finishing out the year strong, uh, coming at you guys with reviews for five new films, including the latest Star Wars, Nocturnal Animals, Bleed for This, Sally Field's latest, and The Magnificent Seven. Also, trailers for Blade Runner 2049, Baywatch, The Boss Baby, Robert De Niro's latest, The Next Fifty Shades of Grey. We got a packed show is what I'm trying to tell you guys, so stay <laughs> with us on the last episode of the year. And... Uh, I know you've been down on movies this year as on the whole, right? We were talking about this a little bit off air. You think this is a pretty bad year for movies? Uh, it's, yeah, I, I would say it's a, dis- it, it's a disappointing year, right? It missed the mark. I was, I was excited about a lot of movies and I was consistently let down. I think we should save our best and worst for around Oscar time because as some of these um, late year ends drizzle in, we always um, seem to add them and say, oh, we should have – this would have made my list if we if I had seen it at the time of cutoff. So let's save that for later on for our listeners as well and uh, we'll have a better rounded base to get into that sometime uh, in February. But I would agree with you that this year has been full of disappointments including uh, the fact that there was really no great horror film this year or great comedy. I think that was, for those two genres, a really, really big letdown. I mean, obviously dominated by superhero films. Disney had a stellar year. We are breaking the $11 billion mark in ticket sales. So it was a banner year as a, uh, in attendance, or I, in, in terms of gross, attendance is you know, pretty much flat. But uh, the money it came in was high. And Disney, I mean, God, did Disney kill it this year? If you look at the top mm-hmm. five films worldwide, four of them are Disney films. I mean, the only one that isn't is The Secret Life of Pets. And... I think it did six billion alone outside the U.S. Unbelievable this year, unbelievable. Let's get into some trivia. Which of these following actors has not won an Oscar? You know this one? Let's see: Robert Duvall, Eminem, that's rapper Eminem, Cuba Gooding Jr., and Mickey Rourke. Which one of those guys has not won an Oscar? Hmm. I feel like this is a trick. Is it? I don't know. Is it E, all of the above? Is it C, none of the above? No, 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 because, I mean, Cuba Gooding's won an Oscar. Mickey Rourke's right. won an Oscar. Um, wait, right? Yeah, Mickey Rourke's won an Oscar. Are you asking me or telling me, son? I'm asking you at this <laughs> <feel> point. Like... <clears throat> I'm double-checking. Uh, well, I mean... Double-checking we... my work. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just double-checking my homework after homework. <laughs> I used to use that one all the time in algebra. So um... It's a tough one. I know. It took me a second too. That actually is tough. Well, now I'm now I'm questioning if Mickey Rourke won an Oscar. Well, uh, you're gonna have like a Jeopardy time loot here at some point. We're gonna be on the air all night with this. So. All right. Well, I'm gonna guess Duvall. Um, and the funny thing is, I misread this question initially. I thought it said uh, Robert Downey Jr. And um, uh, so I thought, well, well he didn't yeah. win an Oscar, you know. That would be that would have been easier. Yeah. Uh, but the answer is actually Mickey Rourke. Is Mickey Rourke okay? Well, that was I was. Mm. I did the same thing because he was nominated for. I was wrestler. so hung up on that. Yeah, that was the it, one that that tripped me up there. Hmm. He won the Golden Globe, much like uh, Stallone did, but did not win the Oscar. Uh, and even the and even though I was sure Duvall had won, 
and I still picked. I still, yeah, <laughs> I, right. The Mickey Rourke thing was, I guess, more in my mind. That's well, it's, a tricky it's question. Memory too, because he was doing the camp, and everyone's no, behind. No, I know him it does. Year. Yeah, yeah, that, that trips you up there. Yeah, and if you can name the films they received Oscars for, can you can you recall? I mean, Cuba Gooding Jr. obviously well, is. Um, Right, the Tom Cruise movie, Show Me the Money. Um, right, which is the, the, the uh, what they call Lord. it in the Asian territories. Yeah, Show Me the Money. Uh, Jerry Maguire, yeah, There right. you go, and Eminem won an Oscar for Best Song um, for... Whatever the fuck his movie is about him, 8 Mile. There you go, and Robert Duvall, this was the tough one. And uh, Duvall, yeah, I'm not sure now, he's been in so many things. And he's been nominated seven um, times, and it's a movie called Tender Mercies, um, uh, yeah, a Bruce Bestford movie. Even have, for, wouldn't have guessed it. Yeah, eighty four. I had to look that one up too because I thought, well, was it was it a, uh, you know, was it was it this movie? Was it that movie? And it's it's none of the Godfathers. It's none of that kind of stuff that you think uh, in Powerhouse. Even the Apostle, when he was nominated for that, it's not that. So uh, yeah, hmm. totally different. Yeah, that's a tough, uh, tough, tough question. I'm gonna start reading off some of the ones that we get. Um, some of the well, people that write in and stuff. We got also some hate mail that uh, we should read off on the air here at some point. We have Wait, a segment called We got hate new mail. stuff? <laughs> Do we get new hate mail? We'll, we'll talk off air about this. I want, yeah. I want to see new hate mail. Well, somebody wants to, somebody wanted to do, let's, well, fuck it. Let's do another trivia question. I'm going to throw it to you because somebody threw it to me. Okay. And, um, you know, somebody, uh, we're talking on the last episode about Schwarzenegger, you being a Schwarzenegger fan, I being a Stallone fan. Somebody wanted to say, uh, you know, can you guess this trivia question? And, uh, name the two movies that Stallone has been in, start in with Woody Allen. Can you do it? Uh, well, Ants, obviously. Which is itself a trick um, question. That's a voice appearance. But go, yeah, you're right on that. And there's one more. There's another one? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get it. I don't... It's it's a really it's a cameo appearance in a movie called Bananas from the early seventies. Slums and bananas uh, as a mugger in a, in for such a quick second. Hmm. I mean, he he's one of like I think he's literally credited as mugger. Like, I didn't one. know that. That's, um, that's a decent trivia question. That ain't shit. Let me tell you what. Oh, you gotta boy. get up early <laughs> in the morning to smart this Stallone fanatic. Okay. So a uh, nice try out there, but that's the kind of hate mail I'm talking about. So we might have to start reading off some of their trivia questions. So if you guys have trivia questions for us. Um, leave it on the Facebook page or email Trevor or Jason at moviemavericks.com and uh, we'll read it off on the air, especially if it's a good one. That was a fairly decent one, but I feel like it was a trick question because you had a cameo and then a voice appearance. Yeah, that's what makes it good though, right? Yeah, you say tomato, I say tomato. <laughs> Those are the kind that sneak up on you. Uh, speaking of sneaking up on you, hey, we're at Expendables 4 here. I mean, they're making a fourth How one. Is, I thought they were done. I thought, you know, I wish they were done because that third one, I know you and I rave about it, but that's a nice way to go out. That's a, that's a good but way. But I thought that Stallone was kind of, uh, was just done with it. No? I thought that's because he had other projects lined up. Playing, um, he's playing a gangster, Scarpo. Yeah, I thought he wanted to do different things, especially after the, the last uh, Rocky yeah, run after Creed. through that he did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was especially because uh, Grudge Match tanked so badly, and then the Expendables didn't do very well. Escape Plan didn't do very well in the states. So I, I thought that maybe he was going to go in a in a more dramatic uh, area and try to get some of those roles, yeah. capitalize off that Creed success. Apparently, that's not the fact. He had that film set up at STX where he was going to play. Um, it sounded like Bloodfather, to be honest with you, the Mel Gibson movie about a, a guy out for revenge against the murder of his daughter. It sounded kind of like. Get Carter meets Bloodfather. That project fell through. And then the next day, they damn near uh, announced The Expendables 4. That's coming in 2018. And I mean, he's, 
I, I mean, I love the man. He's 70. These guys are 70. I don't know what you're going to do with that story that hasn't been done in three previous ones or how you, <laughs> yeah, could, right? you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not really I, clamoring for a four. Oh I, shit. I wasn't clamoring for a three. The only reason I am slightly excited about this besides being the Stallone fanatic that I am is that it's an action movie and I'm just looking for a straight up action movie. And the only one I had this year was the mechanic two, And that sucked. And I'm sure this will suck too, but it can't be as, as, as jumbled and bad as, and un, you know, as disappointing as that one was, there goes your word. Uh, well, we'll see. <laughs> it uh, is expendable. So yeah, but that last one, I, like I said, that last one story wise was the last one's appropriate fantastic, for their age but... and for their, where they were at in that series and everything kind of I mean, came together. Uh... Yeah. So obviously the news has been dominated by the the passing of Carrie Fisher, and this was yesterday as we record this. And uh, unfortunately today, before we went on the air, her mother, Debbie Reynolds, passed away mm -hmm. um, just a little bit over 24 hours after her daughter passed away. Uh, immediately reminded me of uh, the, the film Postcards from the Edge and that movie um, just taking on now – you know, so much kind of uh, more. I, that movie always seemed lightweight to me over the years. It used to be on HBO all the time. I could see her mm -hmm. Meryl Streep uh, shooting the blanks at Dennis Quaid, her lover, in the the TV movie that she was doing, and her telling him it's blanks, you know, and he's all this kind of shit. But that movie always seemed so lightweight, and now I feel like that movie might be really heavy if I ever go back and watch it. Um, it's not. It, it's not. Have you seen it recently? Yeah. <laughs> My mom used to love that movie. It's it was not like even very good. No, really? Nah, it, I really found it to be kind of boring and it, I don't, the pacing's just not very interesting either. Um, but there's some funny stuff in it, but it's very, it, it's not really a comedy and it's not heavy enough necessarily. I don't, there's not enough emotion in it to be the drama that it, really to deal with the, the subject matter that it's dealing with. Mm-hmm. I do remember it taking, I mean, I was really young when I saw it. I think the last uh -huh. time I saw any real clip of it was when I was like 15, but it used to be on all the time from I was about 10 to 15 all the time on HBO. Regardless, I recall it being fairly lightweight in its handling of the drug subject matter and yeah. her recovery. It wasn't like 28 days even where that was fairly lightweight. No, it's still not. Took, um, pretty seriously. Yeah. Um, but you, you, Carrie Fisher, obviously, the Princess Leia will go in your role, but I always found that her... The most amazing thing was how much script doctoring she did. I mean, how mm -hmm. much behind-the-scenes rewriting. And if you go back and watch When Harry Met Sally, how you know beguiling she is with the subplot with Bruno Kirby and that. And, and she did a lot of the rewriting on that for the female voice, along with Nora Ephron, of course, and Rob Reiner. And even uh, just recently, I was watching The Burbs, and I forgot she was Tom Hanks's wife in that movie. And mm -hmm. just seeing her in that small role—this is probably two weeks ago I saw this—it's uh, it kind of warm, you know. She looked very good still. It was 1990. She looked clean and healthy, and. It's 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 just bizarre to me that she had all these kind of hats that she wore, and in the end, she always will be remembered as Princess Leia, and particularly now because of Rogue One and, and you know, all the kind of um, hubbub at the end there with that. Mm. So, uh, does it? I mean, selfishly, what do you think about the Star Wars situation now that she goes? Do you think this puts? Disney in a scramble mode where they're going to have to do some, or do you think that's nothing and they can do? digital recreations at this point well i don't know it depends on what what her character does in episode eight right i mean is she needed in episode nine i have no idea so i guess we have to wait and see maybe they can wrap it up in episode eight or something you know we know how fanatic star know. wars people are uh i mean i'm a fan but there are absolute fanatic i know a guy 
who is so irritated by one thing in The Force Awakens. And I always tell him there's a lot more <laughs> to be irritated about that movie than just one thing. Yeah. He says at the end, and it has to do with Princess Leia, he says at the uh-huh. end when they come back to the to the base and everyone's doing their congratulatory, he says Leia runs up and hugs Ray. And it's her name, right? Ray, the girl? Yeah. He goes, what, wouldn't she hug Chewbacca first? She's known him forever. I've Why heard that she, argument. You know, before. he's pissed about this. I mean, you've heard that argument. This is crazy. It, went, it was all over the blogs. Yeah. <clears throat> it was a, a common argument that I guess super fans had. Cause I, <laughs> you know, by the time that movie ends, I was already argument. My, my argument bag was full. Yeah. I, know. I, I was, yeah. I was upset enough. Um, let's, well, first of all, did you ever see wishful drinking her stage show? No. Uh, that was a pretty – I hope they put that back on HBO, which I have a feeling that they're going to do, much like uh, Larry Sanders is now available on HBO now after Gary Shandling's passing. That's a that's well worth watching. Uh, a lot of things have gone up on YouTube. You know, her roasting of, of George Lucas in 2005, and you can get a, a glimpse of her uh, wit and, uh, you know, her use of words too. And she's just very cutting with words and, and self-deprecating always. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that wishful drinking was very, very interesting to watch. I recommend that. But I got something I want to bring up to you that has now taken over. It's not taken over, but it's been steadily growing and has now become a full internet phenomenon. And uh, I want to discuss this with you. I've talked about it with many other people. I talked about it a little bit. I I touched upon it off air, but I wouldn't give it away. The comedian Sinbad. Okay. Mm -hmm. How many movies does Sinbad make? Let's let's go through these together off the top of my head. Off the top of my head? Please. (laughs) Like I've, me, I've, I have I have no idea. Well, let me refresh the starring <laughs> ones for you, and let's see okay. if you agree. So we got House Guest. Okay. First Kid. Okay. Uh, I would say Jingle All the Way. Fair enough. And I think that's about the extent of the Sinbad canon, right? Of the, the starring roles where they gave him a shot. It was like I ninety, mean, yeah, I, three to maybe ninety six. That whole era. Yeah. Okay. Do you recall Sinbad ever starring in a movie as a genie titled Shazam? I mean, I want to say yes. Okay. So this movie never existed. Let me me clear you in something. This movie never existed. And there's something called the Mandela effect or syndrome. I'm not quite sure on the terming. But it's when there's a common misconception and so many people believe in it that it becomes almost a reality. Well, this Sinbad starring as a genie film, and you're not alone, by the way. My girlfriend thinks she's seen it, and my brother-in-law thinks he's seen it. And we argued about it on Christmas. And my sister, who basically said that she thinks I have some sort of form of autism when it comes to movies and that I'd know for sure, <laughs> just <laughs> defaulted to me when I said that this, there's no way this movie would have gotten you know, past me. But I started half thinking, maybe I saw this it too. It makes you wonder, though, doesn't it? It, make, it seems wonder. right. When you so said that, speak- I saw a movie poster in my mind, and I don't... It's not Kazam. I can't tell you where I've seen it. And you know that because I you know, know that film. I know. But so, it feels right. Where does that come from then? So this is now a common internet phenomenon. And there's theories now that some Back to the Future type shit where somebody's gone back <laughs> and changed the fabric. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, like there's like a photo we're all disappearing in. Um, somebody said right. that we're in the Matrix and we're woken up to what's going on and that this has happened to other things. That's we just so weird. Up. That is something that – when you hear that, it plants a seed in your mind. So the aren't you glad that I waited till I brought the air to bring? This I up am actually that that's that's freaky. Yeah. Now you're straight cluster fucked in the brain. You don't even know what's going on there. But Sinbad himself has tweeted recently, or or put on social media that 
he never appeared in this film, but he's up to be in a genie film now, you know, because there's so much renewed interest in it. <laughs> so if there's a producer out there, you know, you got an opportunity to make some money. But Yeah, everyone already knows about it. But uh, the fact is that there's no way that there wouldn't be – even if he dressed up as a genie in any one of his films or television shows because he was in – I mean my girlfriend got so down the rabbit hole with this. She she did – there's a show called uh, All That, which was mm-hmm. kind of like a, a junior right, uh, it was Saturday the Night Live. The Keen, right. Thing, yeah. So she said he played some sort of mystical person on that. She pulled up an image from one of the episodes huh. on IMDb and I said – she goes, maybe this is what I'm thinking. I said, maybe, but there's not enough people in the world that would have had that shared – you know – we didn't all see all right. that. I, I never saw an episode of it. She had to bring it to my attention, but you knew what it was. But long story short, it sounds like it may. So keep asking people that you know. Ask your brother when you see him. You know, ask people in the know because you're a movie guy. I'm a movie guy. There's no way this movie would have escaped our attention. I'm saying it never existed, especially with the name Shazam. It just seems so right, though. It seems so 1995, doesn't it? It just seems like that should be that should exist. It played on a double bill with Stuart saves his family. You know what I mean? It's it's just like what the fuck. I just and you can just see Sinbad in a damn genie outfit. Well, he damn near dressed like a genie on those summer comedy jams. You know, with the vest and the he's got the hammer pants and the whole thing. Yeah, so, right. Exactly. Uh, no, it's it's a bizarre internet phenomenon. I'm going to send you the link. Um, Business Insider had one. Yahoo News just did one five days ago. This all started with a Reddit. Um, user and it turned into this whole thing and it's a very interesting article I'll, I'll send this to you uh, off air but if anybody's in there, out there interested in it just, just google Sinbad Genie movie controversy and it pops up like all over the place it's it's taking fire right now yeah that's really interesting I mean there is something out there's some connection I know I feel it too seen that, we've, that we're making um, here I wonder what that is I wonder uh, what makes Yonanaki. you think that they've, they've come back and they've stolen one film to take back to their planet and watch it, it while we progress but the minute you say Sinbad genie movie it's like yeah yeah your cerebral cortex <laughs> I, mean, just I, I damn near feel like I've seen it yeah <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> like wait a minute yeah on August 29 1997 yeah, you became self-aware <laughs> that's that is weird that's that's great uh, let's take a quick break and come back with one more topic, and that is, is Harrison Ford a dick? This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. Uh, you were talking about Harrison Ford's dick? Yeah, well, you know, it's about the only thing he hasn't shown over the years, uh, because he's shown to be a true asshole over the years. Can we agree that Harrison Ford is not a nice person? And that if he wasn't Hollywood royalty, I guess. He what probably, has he done? I don't know. Oh, I mean, what has he? How many? How many? I'm battling a cold here. How many uh, salty interviews has he given over the? He just seems like the salty old sea dog. Uh, he doesn't seem any worse than Johnny Depp in, in interviews, or I don't. I I mean, I, I know what you're getting at, and I, I I agree with you. I don't like him in interviews. Um, I don't. I don't like a lot of people in interviews. I think you know a lot of people, uh, particularly Cruz, gets killed a lot for not being self-aware. But I think Harrison Ford has no self-deprecation, no humor about himself at fucking all. And I just read something recently. Hmm. Uh, a buddy of mine shot me a, a tweet from the costume designer uh, of Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and there's a mm-hmm. shot. Have you seen this still? There's a still uh, production still. And Gosling's in costume, and Harrison Ford. It's some sort of like promotional publicity. Still, is just in a gray T-shirt. Have you seen this? And the no. costume designer says, 
uh, Mr. Ford, it's time for you to get into costume. And it said, Harrison Ford, quote, unquote, fuck you. Like, <laughs> just difficult. Uh, like, you stupid son of a bitch. If you don't want to do these fucking movies, don't take the paycheck. It comes with a publicity tour. It comes with media attention. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's all fine and dandy when you're doing Ender's Game. But when you got to do publicity for Star Wars or Blade Runner, it's mm-hmm. just like the worst thing you've ever had to do in your life. I don't get that. I, I just never got it. And people can tell me all day long how great of an actor Harrison Ford is. But really, what's the performance? Can you recall? I mean, I know Witness is, is well-regarded and Presumed Innocence is, is well-regarded. And there's movies I like of his, of, of course, you know. Mm-hmm. But what's the performance? You, can you think of a Harrison Ford performance that is just like the knockout one of his career? Uh, well, I mean, he's, just, he's Harrison Ford. That's what I mean. So, yeah, but I, I mean, that's everybody. <laughs> All right. Well, without getting so into your, I, I do like Harrison Ford, so I don't, I don't, I, I guess there's not, I mean, Han Solo, I guess would be the thing, but it's very, that translates into all of his other performances. That's the character. That's the guy he cultivated the rest of the career. But like, what's the performance? Well, I don't in know that if, he, cur- if he cultivated it, that's just him, right? That's just how he is. Okay, so you just saw Magnificent Seven, which will give you a review uh-huh. here. So I don't want you to give you a review yet, but I was talking to a guy last night, and he was telling me how it didn't stack up to the original because they're just too lightweight, these guys. Nobody has uh-huh. this, this, that. And, that. and I, I said, hold on. And he started talking shit about Chris Pratt. And he goes, I don't know. He's starting to get typecast. And I said, hold on a second. I said, he's playing, he's playing a <laughs> He's been in barely any movies. <laughs> just like, yeah, I know, right? Well, this is what happens. You know, They've all been but, very different, so I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's, but there's, your bag of arguments can get full on that statement. But <laughs> uh, the one I chose to go with was that I use Harrison Ford as an example. I said he's right now playing a lot of Chris Pratt character. That character that I thought in Magnificent Seven wasn't that far from his, his, you know, Jurassic mm-hmm. World kind of shtick and 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 Guardians of the Galaxy from what I've seen of that. But I said Harrison Ford, who he, the guy I admittedly loved, I said has done that his whole fucking career, and yeah. he, the guy's like Hollywood legend, you know. But why is it okay for that to be the old generation can do that? Guys like Mitchum and and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But when younger guys are doing that, we're, you know, they're they're typecasting it. Well, out well. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's a choice. I don't think that the actors really act all that differently. They don't. They just they're. I mean, you're constrained by your physical body and by your voice and. By your own idiosyncrasies, you know, most people don't break out of that, at least not far enough to where you're like, oh, that's a completely different person. I've even, even in the the things where people say, oh, he's unrecognizable. I think, no, he's recognizable. Absolutely. You know, I've never seen a performance of someone's unrecognizable unless they're literally, um, you know, you want to talk like uh, Tom Cruise in, in Tropic Thunder. But he's right. unrecognizable because he's in heavy makeup. Mm-hmm. But even the voice on that, the inflictions and some of the right the and the craziness, and the yelling, yeah. all that stuff—that's that's just all Tom Cruise. You know, we've right. seen Take that to the before. Next level. Yeah. yeah. Which, but once again, so like I said about Harrison Ford, who has no sense of self-aware deprecation, and people have said that about Cruise, but yet he goes and does a, a role like that, mm-hmm. where he you know he puts on a fat suit and does X, Y, and Z, showing that he has a sense of humor about himself in a way. You know, so. My my point on this Harrison Ford thing is that I've just read so many things over the years, and I, I went back the other day and I was watching Air Force One, and I thought, man, this was kind of his his zenith here for mm-hmm. what he was doing, um, because after this you get six days, seven nights, which is okay, and then you kind of start the slide with what lies beneath, 
um, and random hearts and, and and really that kind of dissension into firewall in, in that yeah. era, you know, to where you never he never comes back from to the box office heights. You know, he's not Tom Hanks or Cruz who can keep uh, or even Denzel Washington who can. No, he never was. I, don't, you know, I, I, th- I would say that he never was. Right. I thought he had a very strong following for a long time, but I guess that was just in my imagination because none of his movies ever. Hmm. I mean, they all did well, but they didn't. They didn't kill me. If he did, if he was a cruise or like something like that, regarding Henry, would have done a hundred million. Yeah, uh, but his his forays into those kind of things didn't do all that well. Uh, like I said, like with Random Hearts, which was a bomb, which is just a bad movie. Yeah, he's definitely more of a low key A list star, if you will. Um, but I've just always battled with people about where's the performance from him that makes him this great actor mm-hmm. as opposed to just a, a movie star presence and you know of course star wars and indiana jones are beyond reproach so i can't argue that because those aren't mm-hmm. but those aren't performances those are characters he played um but where's yeah. the you I know mean, I, that's the same like, i mean regarding henry has kind of more of a performance in it but... right i would say that he gives a performance in that even witness i'd say he gives yeah. a performance in that over you know, being cocksure in, in the coolest guy in the room. But he's still just himself in those, you know, he's just a quieter. What I'm saying is if the, if the guy was a carpenter and came know. to your house with that attitude, you'd be like, get the fuck out of here, you cranky old fucking, you old codger. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on. I beat up on Harrison Ford enough. Guy could probably still yeah, kick he's my ass. Old. Leave him alone. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> All right, let's get into some reviews. So the elephant in the room is Rogue One. Well, we're starting um, off here, huh? Let's start off heavy because <laughs> I went. I went. Do to we do spoilers? And um, at this point, yeah, we have spoilers. I mean, the movie, it's, it's, it's so late. It's what well, three hundred fifty million uh, in the states now. I think we're. I think we can do spoilers. Yeah, I'm sorry if you guys haven't seen it at this point. Just fast forward about five minutes here, and we will jump in and out of this. And we'll go to some uh, some other stuff for you. But um, non spoiler alert: I fell asleep in this thing because I was on some heavy cold medicine. You know, I was not feeling well. You know what's funny is that I also fell asleep and was on no cold medicine, <laughs> but snored snorted myself awake. <laughs> uh, I, I did the same, and, and not only uh, did I do it, the lady next to me, uh, I woke and she was so embarrassed at her snoring in the movie, she bolted at it. This is a packed theater on a rainy day. She bolted at it, that son of a bitch. I waited until la- I was like the last person out. I was so fucking embarrassed. Uh, um, I put, yeah, so yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I can't give a review of it because I honestly I slept for eighty percent of this thing. I was that was not right. And what I saw, I saw all the spoiler parts, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But uh, I can't give it. Uh, you may have so seen the the best parts of the movie. So you're giving you're giving a negative <laughs> review. I take it you didn't care for this one. Uh, I'm gonna give it a review of it's a movie that exists, um, and you don't need to see it. Where does it stand for this you? Is, this is better as an opening crawl. What about The Force Awakens? Uh, this is worse, I think, because it doesn't even make the attempts The Force Awakens had. Uh, it really strips out all character development um, and, and really just any meaning or I don't know, emotion, I guess. This movie lacks emotion on a huge scale and you just don't get to know or care about any of the characters. Um, yeah, to the point where I just don't get it. What's, what was the point of this movie? It literally just does what the opening crawl of episode four says. Yeah, I know it does. I mean, literally, and it doesn't even attempt 
to do more than that. It doesn't it attempts to do no more than that. So it's all filler. Like who who cares about Jen Urso? Nobody. As a character, stupid. I, I mean, she's completely useless to the rebellion, really. Here, um, they make her out because her dad is working on on the Death Star. They use her for that one little thing, but beyond beyond just making contact with with um, uh, uh who's the force the Saul Guerrero guy that everyone yeah. thinks is so great, who's barely in the fucking movie, um. Aside from making contact with him, they don't need her for anything else. And yet somehow, for some reason, she's like the chosen one. Like, oh, I'm her. I'm his daughter. It's like, uh, okay, but that doesn't qualify you for shit. For nothing. You qualified to do nothing. I, di- I just didn't understand it. Uh, especially at the end of the, I, the end of the movie is the only good part. You did see that. I, w- I woke up when Vader was kicking some serious ass, and I was like, holy shit. And you know what I did get a little irritated by was the, mm-hmm. you know, I am one with the Force, the Force is in me, and things like that. Yeah. So I, and, and this is what I'll say. I thought just from I'm going to go back and really review it, so I'm, this isn't a positive or negative. I just want this is just an, a, a, an observation was that visually I didn't – I know it's trying to be – pre and what we saw last uh, the force awakens was you know the most recent you know it's on mm-hmm. polar opposites of the spectrum of the star wars timeline i just thought it lacked any sort of color or any vibrancy or pop uh yeah. or visual design that when, made it interesting when do i get a cool space fight can i get one of those at some point like a really good space dog fight that this that's cool that like where you fly around and you go through i mean star tours you know can i get something cool Instead of just, you know, noise. So are you surprised then at the, the feverant positive uh, feedback that I've heard? I mean, I've heard nothing. Not really, positive. because I think people are really uh, stupid, you know, just in general, uh, especially just from looking at this year. And, all, and you get nothing but positive feedback because this is a movie that exists. It doesn't attempt to do anything. It takes no chances. Right, all the chances, all the emotional character building stuff's all on the cutting room floor. There's a great... Um, uh, video out there, uh, I think it's called like 46 shots that w- weren't in Rogue One. These are all from the promotional materials, you know, trailers and whatnot um, that are in the movie. And if you watch that, you see, oh, there's that, there's a part there, there's a part there. Oh, these would all be lovely if this was in the fucking movie. Which I've heard and, people complaining and about. And you could actually. actually see the point. People in this movie, characters just change their minds willy nilly. Right, full 180 degree reversals for no reason. You're like, there's a part fucking missing here, you know. Well, and those trailers it too also. Matter. Those might be glimpses into what was reshot and things that were edited and. Uh, you oh know, yeah, the most for sure. Famous, That's what I'm talking about. The most case of that would know? be Soldier. Remember that Kurt Russell film from '98 yeah. when they in the trailer they had these massive space battles and stuff, and then you watch the film and you realize there's nowhere that mm-hmm. would have fit. You know, that was all just a. Uh, well, this is marketing. all about the studio. Uh, not wanting to take chances, right? And we're seeing um, other like Warner Brothers now, right? Really, if you want to say the main rival to Disney, uh, doing the same things uh, with their movies, uh, and just taking over, recutting things, and and taking the safe route, and totally ruining uh, the movie. You know, I recently rewatched Suicide Squad extended cut. That should have been the fucking cut right there. Uh, that was released, and I'm sure if they released an even more extended cut, I would say, oh yeah, because now you start restoring all these little tiny elements that you don't think are important, but they build the characters, and they they just it makes things make sense, you know. 
And this movie to me, Rogue One, did not make a lot of sense. I don't get when I, I really don't even get the ending of the movie when, when she finally gets up to nerve to tell the rebellion that they have to go get these plans and to believe in her. And then by the end of the movie, you have space Marines jumping out of, uh, of their ships yelling for Jen. You think, how the fuck do they even know who she is? The one thing that I thought, well, there's many things Does that I thought were clever sense? from what I saw, but like I said, once again, not positive or negative, at least they explained why after all these years, they could shoot those, you know, the lasers into that little opening and, you know, and it would go down. But it's tunnel. not. It, I mean, it was motivated, at least. I thought they found a motivation it, for it. Did they? Well, do you know what this whole film Big was? Big whoopty woo law. <laughs> it was written by, uh, I think, Chris White's and um, Greg, uh -huh. Wichita, Greg uh, Gary Wichita, who, uh, not Wichita. I can't think of it. I'm sorry. Whitaker, I, I think his name is. He's, he wrote Book of Eli and whatnot. But this premise came from a guy who was a, one of the special effects guys at ILM. Did you know about this whole thing? Oh, yeah. John Knoll. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he perfected his pitch. Now, is John Knoll the same guy who basically invented Photoshop? Yeah. That's unfucking believable. This guy at ILM who still works there invented Photoshop. So everyone that's got an app and doing all this shit and fucked the Photoshop all these years. And by the way, Photoshop now has a Photoshop audio. Have you seen this thing? You seen the YouTube videos of that? Audio? No. Ha, that is scary shit. You can record audio and cut someone's sentence up and make it like it's perfect, almost flawless audio. It doesn't sound like choppy at all, like like Final Cut or any of that kind of stuff. It's Photoshop for audio. Hmm. You, you, yeah, it, it's scary shit. But um, regardless, getting back to John Knowles' thing. So this was this came from a pitch by him, and as a pitch, this is a very interesting premise. I do admit that, that they found a way to work a story in and to make a billion dollars in this universe. I, but it's not worth it. Ultimately, you know, you can't, you, these are just small key points, right? You, you take the blurb from the crawl, the opening thing. And that's the whole fucking thing though. It's just that blurb rebels went there to go. There. Okay. Why would the rebels go there? Oh, well maybe it's a guy who they forced to work for it. And so he built in the thing. It's like fucking, okay. Yeah, this is just brain dead shit, you know, the, the, and th those are the things that don't matter. Why? I, I just, I don't get how those can be the big moments in this movie or it can be the things that people are so excited about. You know, I, I want to watch a movie with characters uh, that I get to know and, the, and that have motivations themselves. You know, here you have th this Cassian Andor guy who's supposed to be mean and everything and just does whatever it takes to get the job done. And then for some reason, falls in love with Jen Erso. The whole part's missing. Why does he give a shit about her? I am not to check this out. We'll get into this deeper on the next podcast. Cause I'm going to check this out. But, um, yeah, this, this deserved my full attention. Not 20%. Let's it, move on. It bro. deserves 20%. <laughs> I saw nocturnal animals. Uh, this about two weeks ago, uh, actually a little bit longer ago, before it went wide, and uh, I didn't have my review for it done, but we'll talk about it now. Um, I give it my highest rating, but I can't recommend it to everybody. I can really only recommend this film to you if it, you are a fan, or not even a fan, but you have some sort of uh, predilection to films by David Lynch, um, by David Cronenberg, mm -hmm. um, things like that, because this is a film that is extremely uncomfortable. It's designed to make you feel uncomfortable. It has an opening credit crawl of extremely obese women, absolutely naked, shaking in super slow motion, showing every glorious curve and crevice and all that kind of stuff. So 
it's designed from the opening sequence to make you extremely uncomfortable and not want to look at the screen. And from that point of view, it's extremely effective. But is it an enjoyable movie? No, it's probably the most ex- depressing experience I've had at the movies in some time. And this is a movie that takes place. I like the setup because it's about a very stilted woman who's an art gallery owner, Amy Adams, married to uh, Arnie Hammer, who is uh, adulterous, but a you know, very dashing, good looking guy. He's given her everything she wanted in life. Her jilted lover is Jake Gyllenhaal, who she aborted his child when they were in college. And now he's become a novelist and sends her a book of his writings. The rest of it takes place as a story within a story, but is it connected to the real world? Possibly. Uh, There's an extended set piece in the middle of this movie that is so tension-filled and infuriating (laughs) because you, you know, it's, it's the old, uh, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal plays the character within the story as well. And Isla Fisher is the wife who looks like Amy Adams, which just complicates things even more leading to this dream and fiction kind of merging. Um, and it, it, Aaron Tyler Johnson, who just got nominated for a golden globe for his performance in this is a, a redneck and part of a, it's kind of a deliverance esque thing about them terrorizing this family on the road and uh, a series of, of extremely unfortunate events. Regardless, Michael Shannon shows up in it. And I love what I liked what he was doing. I thought his character was a little underwritten for how much hoopla he was getting pre-award scene. But, but um, I haven't seen Hell or High Water, but this is another one of those kind of West Texas crime thrillers. I mean, that's what High Water looks like. I don't know if that's what it really is. But this movie is extremely well done. And I only ever want to see this movie one time. And it's very <laughs> ambiguous. And it's open to interpretation. But like I said, I really think mm-hmm. the point of it is to just make everybody extremely uncomfortable with uh, everything going on in it. But you got to, I think you're, you're a cinephile. You like offbeat cinema. And this movie is polarizing. I mean, everybody that I know has, has, has either uh, loved is, it or hated it. This is now top of my list to see. Yeah. I mean, it, you know what it reminded me of? And my girlfriend uh, agreed with me as well on this was that of uh, side effects. The the Soderbergh film from a couple years ago. Surprisingly good, yeah. Yeah, which was the same thing for me where I went in with very low expectations on a story that I thought was pretty uh, thin and somehow they made it. So I could see why Ford is up for best director uh, and that kind of stuff, even though I don't think he is... This is, there are some clumsy moments in this movie, uh, but there are some nice transitions, and uh, he does pull some performances out of his, his actors. I mean, Gyllenhaal. The guy deserves a break. He's taken on so much heavy work lately. I mean, I see this guy, he's <laughs> weeping on screen or just being, you know, demoralized or, or dying. Christ. But check it out. I think you might like I think you specifically will like it a lot. What about The Magnificent Seven? I like this one quite a bit. What did you think of it? Um, You know, I thought that it was just same old, same old, really. I didn't get... The big ending, I thought, uh, was kind of a letdown. Um, can we do something else other than like dynamite or you know, even going back to Braveheart? You know, I feel like, you know, they have a million heavy horses. What are we going to do? You know, oh, no, we'll have to come up with some kind of a tricky plan to kill, to, to get them, you know. That goes back to the Beastmaster. I'm talking about Braveheart. <laughs> well, I'm just talking, I'm just giving an old example. I mean, obviously, this goes back to Magnificent Seven, the original, right? right? right. I mean, this whole idea, it just seemed, it felt more like too much of a remake and not enough new stuff, I would say. You know, there's no reason for this movie. Just watch the original. I don't understand why, um, why do this if you're not going to do something, um, 
special, I guess, with it. I I mean, I do. I like Fuqua's direction. You know, I like his framing and, and all that kind of stuff. But the story here, I thought, was a bit slow going. And uh, the when they the the first real gunfight when they take over the town, I thought was more. Uh, I guess nerve wracking, uh, for lack of a better way of explaining it, than the ending scene where people were actually getting killed and stuff. You talking about the very first scene where they come into town? No, when they uh, no, in the middle of the movie after they've you know picked up all the seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Then they they go take over the um, right, and they get it back from the guys. The yeah, they go and take over the town. But did you like? Hold on, what about the cast itself? Because that's such an important part of this movie. I thought Pratt was great. I thought Ethan Hawke quietly stole this movie. I, I thought the no would disagree because I don't think there was enough uh, for any of them to chew on here. You know, Pratt was Pratt. He was just kind of there. Um, the whole Ethan Hawke character, um, I don't think was explored enough, uh, and just didn't, whether that happened or not, you know, whether he had a hard time shooting people or not, just was nothing. It meant, it meant nothing to the, to anything, you know, it just, it had no value. And that's what I would say for most of this movie is that there's just no point to it, you know? I, I, I guess I just don't get was it. Interesting. Come on, his character, you didn't think his choice of that weird, you know, the big bear of a man and the, the weird speaking pattern, you think that worked for you? In what sense? I mean, would you just want to watch that all memorable. day? I just thought the whole the, the, the collection memorable. was memorable of people and scenes, and particularly when he kills the guy and he looks nah. at him and says, does anybody dispute that he did this? And they're like, no. <laughs> so it's like, all right, well, I, I just thought it was a... Mm-hmm. I mean I, that was a, funny, but I don't. A long time since I saw a, you know a big, I said a big budget studio western like that 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 was just a glorious kind of like you said your framing. Your music. But it wasn't glorious. It wasn't magnificent. You know, it was nothing. I, I, I thought it was very. It was, nice. it, it was way too yeah nice. Okay. <laughs> well, I thought it was nice in that it was framed sure. nicely. It was. It wasn't overly heavy-handed. We're not talking unforgiven here with the gunslingers, you know. Being- I'm not asking for unforgiven, but I am asking for something. You know, I mean, I've seen this, this action, this western, I've seen a million and a half times. You know, and I don't see a reason for me to see it again. You know, I, I, I don't get it. What What was special about this? Really, the cast doesn't really do much in this. There's nothing for them to do. What do they do? I thought it was good chemistry. I really did. I thought they were good together. Um, that may have been fine, but I, I don't. I mean, if they were just sitting around talking and just hanging out, would you be so excited about it? Because that's really pretty much what they did in this movie. Uh, there was a little bit too much uh, <laughs> of character development in this one. There was about, no character development. Well, I thought well, there was too much talking with the sitting around by the fire scene. There, know, yeah, that was awfully slow. Yeah, got a little, got a little um, heavy. They, they, but the last hour is almost done more. action. Yeah, but it's uh, nonsense action. It's kind of boring. I mean, really, how many bad guys? Yeah, I, I swear to God, this is one of those movies where they reuse different camera angles for people getting killed just to make you believe that there are more bad guys being shot. And there's just people dropping. It's just boom, boom, boom. And then people die and you say, okay. And then another shot someplace else in the town and there's 50 more of them. And then another shot, there's, there's 80 of them, you know. And you know damn well that there weren't that many in the opening shot when they rode up to the town. <laughs> Where do those bad guys come from? I like this one. This one worked for me. I don't know. Maybe it's been a while since I had seen a, a uh, Western I uh, that, I, that I liked. I do want to see the Valley of Violence. In the Valley of Violence? Yeah. The, not, yeah Ethan Hawke and right. 
Yeah, it's almost like uh, like when Kurt Russell last year did Bone Tomahawk and the Hateful Eight. Like, did Ethan Hawke just grow out mm-hmm. his hair and beard? And he's like, fuck it, it's already this long. Let's do another one. <laughs> you know, it's like. Well, he looks good. Good. He looks right for the period. Yeah, he does have an 1800s yeah. um, mm-hmm. look to him, especially with that kind of mangled uh, teething in yeah. his. It's like accurate for the time. Yeah, I believed that more than Chris Pratt. Yeah, or, Pratt or even really Denzel long. Washington, for that matter. Well, yeah, I mean. Obviously, there's Buffalo Soldiers and whatnot, but he played as uh, very modern. He's basically Denzel. But yeah, um, this wasn't, I didn't think, as strong as The Equalizer, which I thought was was magnificent when I saw that. Did you see that one? Yeah, I love The Equalizer. Great movie. Great movie. I mean, that is a good one. But I, why can't I get something? I don't know. Why can't it be magnificent? It's the Magnificent Seven. Shouldn't. There's just shouldn't there be something special about movies? Like, I don't. Like when I left the theater at the Rogue One, or even after watching The Magnificent Seven, I just felt let down. I just felt like, you know, there's no reason to even think about it. There's no reason to do anything. It was just filler. It was nothing. It, <laughs> it means nothing. It has this no is value. This into an episode of The Goldbergs. <laughs> You've lost your childhood. What the? <laughs> what if I told you there was a movie written by... <laughs> Seriously. Okay. Uh, There's a movie by Steven Spielberg starring Chris Pratt yeah, called Jurassic right? World. Yeah, I don't know. It's such a letdown. I just wish people would take more chances in movies like they used to, you know, or something. I don't know what the hell I'm saying. I just I thought that was going to be the case. I so mean, bored. I, I that kind of leads me into my uh, my review for Hello, My Name Is Doris because I was getting a little worn out on on the quote unquote Hollywood stuff mm-hmm. this year and and yeah, some of it's been really good i thought some of it's been, been direct but uh it, it's all becoming kind of numbing so I, I thought maybe i'll watch some independent film and, and re-spark my interest in in film so i watched hello my name is doris and mm-hmm. um man this is just hits all the fucking independent tropes and the preciousness <laughs> in and a good all, way or no man no. it just it, <laughs> and, and like in the fact that you watch yeah. this and go this is this is you know, if this was a Hollywood film, we would just be ripping this fucking apart because there would be they would, it would never get there on this level because it's too thin of a story. They would have added mm. a subplot and beefed up the supporting characters, and it still would have been shit, but it would have been um, longer shit. So at least it's succinct, but it's just so without the Sally Field performance, which or some yeah Sally Field performance, uh, which is very good. She's very good in it. Mm-hmm. It's it's nothing. I mean, this movie is nothing. It's she. It's you know, first of all, she's a hoarder. But of course, she's one of those movie hoarders where it's just kind of messy in her house, you know, but she's not dirty per se. <laughs> you know, she's right. a clean person, but yet she's got some books that are over here, maybe some garbage left over. I've been to a fucking hoarder's house. You have to climb <laughs> into that son bitch and there's rats and shit and they typically are shitting in buckets and not showering. So um, it, it's a it, it's kind of a movie that exists. And she has this crush on a younger co-worker. You, know, you said you had a good time when he came to my house, so. I feel like <laughs> I wasn't going to tell you when you shit in the bucket. Okay. I didn't let them think you had plumbing. No, of course that's not you, but, um, as you sit on a pile of magazines, this, 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 this. <laughs> huddling around my trash fire right now. Like, well, you got a lighter for light. <laughs> yeah. But no, this, this movie, like I said, it's, it's, it just hits all your, your independent film kind of beats for this elder woman that has a, uh, really a midlife crisis and a mental break, you know, and, and it's populated by a bunch of television actors that, it, it, you know, like Max Greenfield, for example, and guys from Parks and Rec, and like Natasha mm-hmm. Leone shows up and Milton from Office Space. It's like a movie full of people going, hey, that's the guy from, that's the girl from, 
more than the fucking movie. And because it has these little moments where she's having these daydreams and, and quote unquote sexual kind of ideas about him, and and then you don't really know if that happened. It cuts out of it. It, the, it just the movie becomes pointless to where it ends, and you go, well, how did she at all gain anything from this experience? Other than mm. just embarrass herself. And I thought at one point, well, maybe this is like young adult where the character, the lead character is just going to embarrass herself. We're going to cringe the whole time and hope that she becomes self-aware. But that never actually happens. So it's a useless exercise in independent film is, is really with a, with a commendable performance by Sally Field, unfortunately. That's kind of what the trailer looked like. So, Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Well, what are you going to do? Well, I saw Bleed for this yeah. just briefly. Let me tell you about this. This is the boxing movie, the Vinnie Panzienza story. And recently, Miles Teller just got in that car accident, which I thought was interesting. Did you hear about that? He flipped his truck? No. Well, the other day, I guess an Uber driver cut him off, flipped his truck. Ew. Literally flipped his truck. They got video of him. He tried to attack the Uber driver, had to be restrained, him and his girlfriend. He's been in a horrific car accident before, apparently, too, which is why he has those facial scars. I guess before he became famous, he was in a high school car accident that he barely survived, so playing a boxer who survived a horrific car accident and came back. I mean, this is like one of the top two, I think, uh, most uh, inspirational comeback stories that was voted by ESPN, George Foreman winning the heavyweight title, and this mm-hmm. has hmm. the end of story. So historically, very interesting. Ben Younger, who directed Bleed, or, uh, Boiler Room and what was the other one? Not Bounce, the one where he uh, had an affair with his mom's therapist. Trust? Sure. Prime. Prime. Thank you. Terrible movie. Um, <laughs> this is strangely directed well. I mean, for a movie that doesn't and performances is by a uh, guy playing Kevin Rooney. I can't think of his name. Guy Aaron Eckhart and Miles Teller hmm. are very, very strong for what it is. But it's such a slight story that it doesn't really. It's it for, it's missing something, and I can't tell you what it is because it has a great soundtrack. It has good performances. Boxing it's shot nicely. Are good or no? Good enough, but I mean, this yeah. isn't. Uh, you know. I, it's it to me. It's like he saw hmm. Ben Younger saw the fighter and said, "Well, if David O. Russell can make a fucking boxing movie, I can make a boxing <laughs> movie." You know, and, and really, it's, it's better uh-huh. than the fighter, which I have many, many problems with, and people will kill me for saying yeah. that because they always levitate towards that Christian Bale performance, which is so fucking. You just choose. That's everything. an unfortunate movie. Yeah. You choose the scenery up all the fucking all over the place yeah. in that movie. But Bleed for This is uh, just a minor entry into the boxing canon, you know, boxing mm. film canon, but. Worth a, worth a view. It's not terrible. I haven't seen Hands of Stone yet, but I'm almost guaranteeing mm-hmm. you Bleed for This is a, a better film because oh. I, I've seen I've seen bits <laughs> of Hands of Stone. I thought, oh, this looks like a TV movie. Yeah, that one does. Well, this uh, kind of gave me the same vibe, no? Well, I put this one – it doesn't have – for me, it didn't have any of the kind of lyrical – what a grace or like visual mm-hmm. poetry of Creed, but it wasn't nearly as fucking maudlin as, as uh, Southpaw was last year, that terrible Southpaw movie. So well, I put it fine. I mean, so many movies come out now that uh, I see that could have just been Netflix originals. Uh, Rogue one. Uh, this, this could have been, this, <laughs> yeah. this could have been an Amazon. So many of them could be, yeah. yeah, they're just, they're just not important. They're just extra tack on things that someone made and you watch them, you know, <laughs> which is unfortunate because this, this story is really I mean, it if, you, interesting. if it yeah, wasn't yeah. true you'd be like ah it's too fucking corny to, to be a movie so but uh, it, it's already come and gone I mean, my, what's funny is my old man was going to go check it out right and he goes mm-hmm. ah, I'm going to go see uh, Bleed for This tomorrow and I go dad you gotta 
it's like Thursday. I go, you got to go see that. Or it was Wednesday. I said, you got to see that tomorrow and not Friday. Because no, no, we're going on Friday. Me and Joey and da 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 We're going to go see the, the boxing movie. He says, all right. So he goes <laughs> to see the fucking boxing. So I texted him that night. I said, it's going to be gone. He goes, it's only been out for three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so he calls me Friday afternoon, right? Fucking movie's gone. How'd you know? <laughs> <laughs> I said, ah, shit, I told you, because I said Star Wars came out and kicked it out. He goes, yeah, fucking we got Star Wars on eight screens. I can't see bleed for this. So, um, which is true because movies now are three weeks and it's gone, right? Yeah, about a three. Well, weeks especially ago. a movie like that, yeah, yeah. I and mean, it, it won't be earning anything. You won't be making as much money as if you playing Star Wars, right? Well, like the accountant, it still has like one showing around here, and I was like, holy shit! And now, like mm-hmm. Allied has one showing, and I'm like, oh, maybe I should go see it. It's only on one showing. Well, I mean the the second run theater here plays things well into their video release, but that's true. That's true. And you know, sometimes so to be fair, that, um, that's yeah. The drive-in does on a, a rare occasion too, especially yeah. the doldrums of like uh, January and September and stuff. Uh, but like Bad Santa was well gone by the time Christmas came around. You know, <laughs> <laughs> strangely enough, <laughs> yeah, no loss there. You got a streaming online pick this week? You got anything you want to recommend? No, no. I've said them all. I don't know. What have I seen? Uh, I don't know. No. I'll go uh, Captain America Civil War because it's uh, the highest grossing film easy. of the year <laughs> yeah. and it's available. And I really wanted to rewatch it recently. And I think it's, it's very movie. convenient now that all these uh, movies are coming onto Netflix, these Disney films, and not onto the stars. Well, it's Marvel. I really, they should just turn Disney over to, to the Marvel guys because, you know, if, if Marvel made a Star Wars movie, I'd probably like it. Yeah, that's true. They probably, well, Watch Civil that. War. In this fucking movie, Civil War, this is like the 80, 80th millionth fucking you know, superhero movie Marvel's made. It, character development. It, it's crazy. It's there. And it's fun. And it's serious. It, it, and there's just, well, there's nothing to hate about it. They become pros at that. They really have. Uh, Marvel has their formula down and it has not grown stale as of yet it's gone a little uh it's plateaued but it has not gone stale yeah admittedly plateaued but that but but at a high mark so it's okay so far you know i'm I'm still waiting for i mean the surprises that you know like ant-man or even uh what the doctor strange you watched not too long ago even those movies that you're like oh these are gonna be the ones that fucking tank right and they turn out to be actually decent to watch not only decent, they're fucking massive hits. I, mean, yeah. I really thought Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, was going to be their downfall. What do I know? It makes three hundred forty fucking million dollars. Yeah, you know? good movie, right? I mean, it's weird. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm waiting for it still, but it must. It's going to be whatever it is. It's going to be a beautiful failure. You know, it's going oh, to be, be one of those like an atomic bomb went off or something. It's going <laughs> to be so fucking bad. Like it's going to be worse than Alone in the Dark. Oh wow! Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't it? I'm in, just in waiting what, for it. It's too much good luck going on so far. You know, they're, they're, they're asking for it. You have too much good karma. <laughs> <laughs> you got to stop this shit. <laughs> All right, let's get into the trailer attic part of today's show. Trailers can be wondrous things, giving us insight into the unseen movies of the future. But when they're bad, fire photon torpedoes. Shields up, red alert. Prepare for trailer addict. I think we're prepared. We're prepared. Right. We, we got quite a few. So Blade Runner 2049 is the talk of the town right now. Dennis Villanova has uh, directed the Alien film. Covenant was. 
Uh, actually, I think it got taken over by Alien Covenant, the, the trailer, because, uh, well, first of all, let's talk no. about the Blade Runner trailer. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it starts Ooh. off with the narration, which mm-hmm. I don't know if I particularly care for that. I mean, that was such a, a point of controversy in the first one that it's uh-huh. it throws you right back into that. But visually... I think it sets the mood perfectly. Textures-wise, this looks like a fairly faithful sequel remake. Um, this could just have... Well, yeah, from what we've seen, this could have been directed by Ridley Scott. Yeah, in 1982. Yeah, looks beautiful. Beautiful sets. Um, uh, tells us nothing about the story. So, I don't know. It could be a cute giant turd. Uh, but it looks fantastic. It looks like a Ridley Scott movie. Captures um, the feeling of the original very, very well. So, I, I look forward to this. His director just did Arrival, which um, I'll give my review. I think I gave my review on last year, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, and he's doing. He's in talks to do the Dune remake too. I hope he doesn't get pigeonholed, um, kind of like our um, our guy there who did Chappie in District Nine and Blump mm-hmm. Blumpkamp. Um, he's just gonna do long, boring sci-fi movies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? Does it take place on a desert planet? Mm, Dennis Villeneuve. I have the perfect director. <laughs> Next, like the Battlefield Earth remake. I understand the man who would be interested. <laughs> gonna see a gentleman about that. Um, but uh, I, like, this was a very quick glimpse into this. But like I said, texture-wise, it looks like it comes from a piece, and that's always a positive thing to, to see mm-hmm. because some of these. I mean, the, what's I mean? Really, you saw with Bad Santa two, and the list goes on and on. I mean, what is the date uh, of of statute of limitations on sequels? It seems to be know, sci-fi. Right? It could be a little longer. And with this, I just want to know what story they finally touched upon to bring this back after all these years. And if it's not worthwhile, then why are we doing it? So curious. Yeah, me too. Me as well. I agree, but still a great looking uh, teaser trailer. You know? Yeah, I mean, gorgeous to look love at. The music, like uh, mm-hmm. Love the music, love the visuals. So, and I, and I like, I don't, I like the idea of the detective in the future. I've I thought liked that was the, cool. The about the, the first yeah. one was was cool. I mean, he still looks, like, you know, he still wears the overcoat. Overcoat, stuff, yeah. I mean, you know? he's only missing the fedora, basically. Yeah. That's all I, I mean, he still eats shitty food, takes care of himself like hell, gets exactly his ass right. You know what I mean, I mean like, yeah. it's got all the the film noir uh, tropes in it, and, and yet it's set well beyond our uh, our current setting. All right, next we have Baywatch, Dwayne Johnson and Zac Efron's comedy set for next summer. This is, of course, a it, remake. I'm of sorry, a comedy? TV show. Is this a comedy and not an action movie? Well, first of all, you nailed it on the head when I texted you and you said this looked like a 21 Jump Street remake. And that's exactly what this is. They, they took that they blueprint. That's so bad. I know. Even the self-referential things about it, like, well, it almost reminded me of when they're in the police office and they, well, if the first one works so good, they're going to try it again, you know? like, <laughs> Yeah, right. Wouldn't it have taken way more balls to have done, like, just a straight up Baywatch movie just instead a of this action movie. Can I, I mean, have this Jason is just state them as the David Hasselhoff. <laughs> this is so useless to me at this point. Like, why does this? I don't know. It may be good. It may not be good. It really, doesn't look all that good to be honest with you. But it, it, this could be anything. This is not Baywatch. This is just you know. This could have been. I don't know, lifeguards, you know, it could be anything. What the fuck does that have to do with any with Baywatch? This could be uh, nothing. And I'm a, a Baywatch fan. I mean, I watch the show. I'm a, I'm a <laughs> camp. I'm a fan of camp and of 90, a collector of 90s things and, and watching the, I've almost seen every episode of Baywatch, believe it or not, over the years, except for Baywatch Hawaii, because there are some things I just will not fucking do. <laughs> but uh, 
There are some holes not worth going okay, down. Exactly. I don't plug every holster. <laughs> and um, the Baywatch uh, kind of saga, it's interesting because they are playing characters that are in the in the show. Matt Brody, uh, you right. know, uh, Mitch Buchanan, all these kind of people. Summer. These people actually existed in the mm-hmm. show, these characters. So it's weird that they're giving – but yet they're creating new backstories for them like uh, – I mean, uh, Efron seems to be some sort of like Ryan Phelps, um, you know, Locke kind of Ryan Locke kind of character, um, a disgraced Olympian. But my problem with this is it's a comedy. But where are your comedians? The Rock isn't inherently funny. Well, he, Zach he's Efron's been in, not funny. <laughs> Zach Efron. Is funny. These are two guys that have been in yeah. numerous comedies, but aren't the guys that are they're the straight men typically? You know, like so. Uh-huh. Where, where's the laughs here? And there's like one. Line about what the fuck's in your eye on the Red Band trailer that was like the only laugh in the entire trailer. And I think it's going to be a huge hit, but I think it's going to be one of those things we're looking at at the end of the year going, what the fuck was that? You know? Yeah, or it will be surprisingly good. Which, which was which, which the Jump Street movie was, was Jump Street, yeah. Um, so, After trailers that look similarly bad. But I don't know. I, yeah, it's up in the air at this point, you know? Is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? Is it a dumb idea? Yes. I think even good or bad is a dumb idea. <laughs> it's got a prime release date. It's got the most visible movie star in the world right now. Yeah. It's also got um, it's also got Zac Efron, <laughs> um, which is not the best movie star. No? And um, no, but it's got a lot of eye contact, candy, and uh, a name, and it's got you know some sort of value, I guess, in that. So it, it's going to do big business, I think, regardless of what it is. Mm-hmm. Next is the Boss Baby, DreamWorks' latest. Um, animated film and this is, this is one of the more confounding children films i've ever seen it i mean you got alec baldwin basically playing uh, like a baby his, i mean it's funny because i kept thinking oh he's his, playing the, the 30 rock <laughs> well i thought he's playing the guy from uh from glengarry glenn ross and then he even mocks it at the end you know he's just playing his businessman shtick i guess i don't understand the rules of this movie so why is he smarter than all but, the other yeah. babies like what's what's at the big brain? Well, on I rat? guess he's from. Well, I mean, and that's a good point. I guess th- there's some place, some baby office place, right? Some secret baby place that he's from. How fucking but depressing then how is, is that? How is he? Guys how is he the kids? Expressos? How is he their yes. kid? You know, do, right. do, I mean, do people not give birth in this world the same way? Yeah, I was Do they order their kids on a lot of aspects because I mean the other babies don't know how to read, don't know how to write, but yet he's commanding and knows all these things and can tell right. time and has, uh, you know, can count money and but yet you know when they all come in the room, all the the kids play like little babies, but yet when they're alone, they're still the kids are still kind of babies, but yet he's not. So I didn't understand any of that. But um, this is a bizarre. I mean, if I was still doing um, psychedelics, I might go see this movie. <laughs> yeah, it is weird. So but maybe you got me twenty years too late. So. <laughs> Maybe that can play out to be something interesting. I don't know. If you sync up Dark Side of the Moon with the Boss Baby, it's fucking crazy. Yeah, I don't think that whatever. Yeah. I don't think that will work here. Yeah. All right, next we have the comedian with uh, Robert De Niro, and this was directed by Taylor Hackford, written by Art Linson, and um, this movie looks pretty freaking interesting. I mean, I, I want to see this movie, but my problem with it is that De Niro doesn't have the chops. You can tell he's not a comedian because when yeah. these other comedians are zinging one-liners at him, you see the the lack of delivery or punch when there should be. You, you know what I mean? Did you get that too? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really know that I understand the point of the movie either. 
It reminds me of Danny Collins, that movie with Al Pacino last year mm -hmm. where he was the, the rock star who finally- It is. Out. It is one of those, you know. Um, I mean, Meryl Streep's done one now, yeah, right? Yeah, Ricky the Flash. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. it just it seems like one of those, you know, the old person not ready to be old, but they're uh, a fuck up, you know? They're still a I, kid, so he's going to learn to be- a grown-up finally. I mean, I is that, that really older this movie? actors are uh, 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 you know attracted to these kind of roles because they've probably lived these kind of lives. They're probably you know, living even, it right now. You know, they have you know <laughs> kids. You know, even you know my man Stallone there has, has daughters that are now uh, I think in their early twenties, but he had a early sure. family. You know, they a lot of them have early families and then they have families later in life. So a lot of them have go through probably these things like what did I do? What you know, mm -hmm. guilt and all that kind of shit. So they find these movies about you know a guy in a different field, but yet he went through the same shit and they can pour all their regrets and all that into it. But this one looks. Um, just off off key a little bit. I mean, I agree with you totally. That's why I think this is it just feels too um I don't what do you say about it? I mean, you talk about in that uh Doris movie, you know, this yeah, kind of feels the same yeah. way to me. You know, it feels very indie like this is just so commonplace of a movie. It just seems like this is indie, some stack of indie scripts out there, you know, you could pull out a, about 3 of these just like this. When it started, I thought, is this the Michael Ritchie story? <laughs> like, yeah. What's he, he going to do in this club? I mean, it's getting like a crazy. It would be more interesting if it was. I think I would like to see that movie more. Um, next, we have Fifty Shades Darker, the sequel to Fifty Shades of Grey, the, the massive hit from a couple years back. I have uh, no I, idea what's going on. You've seen the first one, so does this make sense? No, but this one looks uh, <laughs> like at least like it's a uh, born uh, film or something. I don't know what the Yeah, why is he? They're like, like, she wants him. She's like trying to, and she's like going to change it, but he's going to like like kill her or something like what's what, what are they fight they're like dueling but i don't I, get it i don't know i saw the first one like, what's going on heads or tails of the whole thing and um this these are silly soap opera i mean uh, sure. now that we don't have the twilights of the this started off as, as twilight fan fiction so you totally see the the impetus of this and now that there's not really like a a young adult novel that uh, mm -hmm. franchise that's really thriving out there it makes sense that this one is because this is a step above a young adult franchise or really a step below in some cases um so this is looks at least a little glossier than the first one um, which wasn't filmed badly it just was a stupid story and maybe this one gets but then this they're, they're so self-important for no reason well, i know that's what trailer. i don't understand this like you said this looks like she's going undercover to like break this like guy from something i just i don't get it yeah it's like dude, your life is not that exciting you just either give it to him get, or don't what get the over fuck it. is going on yeah this is too melodramatic this is too over the top i don't understand like what's at stake here fucking nothing like what, honestly what is at stake she either marries this guy or doesn't yeah, he, like she that's left it. Once. It's like you already broke up with them. You just, I mean, I don't know how these books work out because I have more I things know, to do in life than read them. Nuclear codes or something that they gotta get. That's what I'm saying. It looked like a die. Like, I expected Bruce Willis to come out at some point. Ah, <laughs> like, oh, shit! I gotta save the world again. Is it, these these films are um, extremely silly. Is the best word to, and self important when it's all said and done. Well, as long as they find their audience, I guess. And there is apparently an audience. As you said, the first one was a hit. So, Gangbusters. Huge hit. Just deliver, give them what they want, you know? All right. Next, we have Snatched, the Goldie Hawn, Amy Schumacher comedy from Jonathan Tell me Levin. this is not a goddamn Netflix original. 
Did you see the regular trailer or Red Band? <laughs> I watched the Red Band. I saw the Red Band too, and I laughed out loud two or three times. I thought this looked really funny. Uh, I agree, but tell me that this doesn't look just like one of oh yeah one, one of, of those Sandler Adam ones? Sandler yeah. fucking ones, Netflix original. Is that not exactly what this is? Yeah, but this one actually had laughs in it. Uh, that's fair enough. Yeah, that's right. Enough. I mean, because some of those, I mean, the whale come and the, all that mm-hmm. kind of, I mean, I laughed out loud with that. And then, yeah, like Schumer's the, obviously, you know, great at delivering dirty jokes like that. And but the way he wiping the vagina of off and like, right, exactly. Yeah. All that kind of stuff is like, it, 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 it's, you know what it is? It, ha- it comes from like the realness of it all. I'm, I'm obviously, we're, I'm talking about the last half of the trailer that turn, suddenly turns into an action, you know, an action comedy. Film. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. where I thought, this might not go so well here. But even that bit at the end there with like the, they only take young and beautiful women, you know, and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Like I laughed out loud. But I, but then again, I laughed out loud at the tra- yeah. train wreck trailer. I would be so unlucky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're like a melted wax. <laughs> you were like a melted candle. <laughs> a melted candle. It's like, oh shit. It's uh, fucked up. So yeah, I mean, it does have a good um, possibility of being funny, but I still feel just the minute that action shit hit, I was like, oh damn, Netflix original. Anytime an action beat hits in an action comedy, I tune out immediately. Because it's shitty action. It's never been... Always, I mean, yeah. Like, oh, they try to make it... Like, Amy Schumer's going to be a badass almost in a couple of shots. No, I just it's, think, like, it's, like, it's like Rush Hour. You're like, oh, okay. That. So we get to see subpar action in, in moderate comedy? <laughs> How fun. Yeah. You know? Um, let's move on. Let's talk about <laughs> Alien Covenant, because I'm really excited about this. Ridley Scott has now finally given me something that resembles an alien film and not a Prometheus <laughs> movie. Uh, I sure I thought this was an alien film that resembled Prometheus. Um, but you know, <laughs> isn't this I, Prometheus all over again? I know you keep. I know you love Prometheus, right? Like you're a big I like Prometheus. Prometheus. Well, I won't say I love it. I do like it though. I like it a lot. I it's left me cold. I've always tried to get. I think it's beautiful, and mm-hmm. I, I think it's. But I just thought it was too far removed um, from the alien world, and I thought those uh, the the big pupil eyes just fair were, enough were so interesting yeah. that they didn't give them enough time. Um, it was too much fast bender, which who looks to be a lot in this again. Yeah. Um, but this trailer is exactly, I mean, if, if well, this first was a of movie all, that wasn't an alien movie, I'd be like, what a fucking alien ripoff. But, it but looks tell just me this, like this is, movie. is this not take Ridley Scott and James Cameron and put them together. And then they, oh, yeah. this is the alien movie you get. That's what it looks so like. So I'm really excited. Yeah. Cause it looks like it has all the tension, all the de- set detail and everything that a Ridley Scott movie and all the action that a James Cameron movie would have. It just looks like the world is starting to become a little bit more, um, not alien, but, you know, alien as in like 1979. Right. Like this would transition easier into the, the rest of the films. It, the yeah. set design from this trailer looked as part of. And the crew. Tell me the crew doesn't remind world. you of, an, oh, yeah, of the first alien and all, and all that, that kind of yeah. stuff. Uh, but this looked as much as a lived in world that we know from this franchise as the Blade Runner 2049 sure. looked like. Yeah. And even like Rogue One looked like the first Star Wars with the with the set design on that. Yeah. So uh, I'll give it that, that they've now gotten into that where it's it, it feels like we're of a world now. So I can maybe get behind this one a little bit more easier. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm still I, I'm still uh, hesitant when they don't show me. M- you know, they're not showing much. They're not telling story wise because I just don't know how many more stories are in that alien world. Well, they've done a lot. None. They've been, they told the same story over and over again. They've done a lot. And really since um, the last good alien film was, was like in 92. So, and that was kind of a debacle too. So you know, roughly 30 years yeah, ago, I mean, the director's cut summer. of alien three is, is Just tits is uh, really good. Yeah. yeah, it really is. But we didn't get that director's cut until, 2000 and um, 
2003, God, somewhere yeah, in that era. Yeah, it was a while. So it was a good, it was a decade, and even then, um, Fincher begrudgingly um, participated in some aspects, but not nearly. I mean, there's a three hour. You ever seen this three hour documentary on the making of Alien, the the strength of firepower or something? It's on YouTube all over the place. Huh. It's, it's from 2004. I've watched most of it. Uh, I think two times now. I've never got through the whole thing, but it is as in depth of a making of. It's a three hour documentary on every single aspect of that movie, from casting, production. I mean, and it's, that, that might be too much for me. <laughs> but no, it's it's absolutely fascinating. The first hour is all huh. about like casting and script and. You know, him leaving to go do and taking, you know, since he was working on Rambo, Cameron, influ- that's what influenced mm-hmm. the, the space Marines. And it's just very interesting stuff. But let's move on. Let's talk about Transformers. The last trailer on tonight's show, Transformers, The Last Night, the latest Transformers movie. <laughs> not the, the last fuck? Transformers movie. Does, does Mark Wahlberg not feel like an afterthought in this trailer? Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, they, but... This how do you first of all how do you go from the last Transformers movie to this? This looks why wasn't this the last one? This that, looks yeah, way better. Way better. This looks I like agree. a real fucking movie again. But I agree, the humans are totally second players here to the to actual Transformers themselves. Well, I think they're going younger too. There's that group of kids. I think they're going to try the Spielberg well, his daughter, touch. right? Uh, well, she's written out, I believe. I don't think she's really. In, I, I didn't see her at all. That blonde girl. Did you see her in this trailer? Uh, I didn't even know he was playing the same know. character. He's like doing the the Ethan Hunt thing where he's got long hair, short hair, long hair, short hair. Like, what are we doing here, bud? You the same guy? You're not the same guy. <laughs> like, um, but he I doesn't know. He doesn't know who he is. <laughs> I didn't see her in this. He trailer. just shows up. And we got Josh Demel back. I mean, is Tyrese back? I think those guys are all back. That whole crew from the first three. So this feels more of a world like we were just talking about than the last. I guess one you're thing. right. I'm looking down the list uh, and her. I don't Character think name it. is not in here. So. Or uh, or the boyfriend, yeah. So yeah. I think they've been written out. I think this is because that's part of the whole new think tank, right? Well, We're going in a different direction with these. I have no idea, man. I'm so I'm so unplugged from anything Transformers. Um, I don't know, but maybe this will, you know, bring me back. And I know this has kind of a Transformers three vibe to it, which I liked a lot. So I think it's interesting that. We're going to see Michael Bay do the Braveheart era, the, the World War II era. You know, you're going to get to yeah. see. I mean, like, but how much of that is, is going to be? Yeah, glimpses. I mean, this mo- this trailer starts off. We- you almost think you're watching the wrong trailer. Yeah, I was like, is this King Arthur? What <laughs> yeah. is this? There's a dragon? <laughs> I am the huh? last dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Transformers, the last dragon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I thought this though looked oh, better than shit. the last one did, though. But then the last trailer for the last sure. one I thought was good. Well, they're classing it up with Anthony Hopkins too. Oh, classing up! You're hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> this, guy, this fucking guy wants to tell me the other day. Listen to this shit. But Anthony Hopkins. Oh well, you know him because he, he, this guy's jazzed on Westworld, right? Well, Ed oh, Harris yeah. and Anthony Hopkins. Man, Anthony Hopkins. He doesn't appear just in anything. Oh, he, he appears in so much. I, I said, you have no is idea. that right? <laughs> yeah. No, no, man. He when he's in something, I mean, that's he's an Oscar winner, is what he told me. I said, Well, I did you ever see the movie Instinct with Cuba Gooding Jr.? <laughs> did you ever see a movie called Fractured with Ryan Gosling? He's in a lot of shit. Yeah, a lot of absolute shit. You know, he was shit. in Mission Impossible too. I mean, I could go um, on all fucking night and mm-hmm. do this with you, bud. So, um, no, yeah, it is funny though. People do have that that Anthony Hopkins as an. Uh, an actor you know that idea of him um but i don't know i mean he he himself his personality and his voice carries a lot of weight so 
Well, I so understand Morgan, where it comes yeah, from. That too. They go, oh, Morgan Freeman is only Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I get where it comes Freeman from. But, uh, but yeah, it's not, it's not really true. <laughs> no, it's not even in the... He's, you know. he's, uh, he hasn't polished a lot of turds as much as he's just been in the turds. You know, he's almost um, absolutely retired at this point is Bruce Willis. I don't know if that's a forced retirement or what, but I mean, when was the last time you saw him appearing? Sure? I don't know. I haven't seen anything about Has him. Has he been in any straight to video stuff lately? Of course, <laughs> but I mean, those are, you know, he's doing the Steven Seagal Let's thing where look. he's working three hours a day for three days a week. And yeah, that's that. exactly. But, I mean, he hasn't been, he hasn't top line um, film at all. I mean, Red 2 was the last theatrical release he was in. He's in Death Wish. Which has been, that, that started off as a Stallone vehicle. That will never see the light of day. That film will never come out. It's in post-production, it claims. Really? Who directed that? Is there a name on it? Hold on. Sorry. Eli Roth. Oh. So there right. you go. Joe Carnahan, screenplay. Scott and Joe Carnahan. All right. Well, you know, since he's such a grumpy Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> D'Onofrio. We got Elizabeth Shue. Oh, we got Dean Norris. Fucking set. Oh, well, I got to see it now. I'm going to see it now. Set. Yeah. I didn't know we had Dean so Norris. there you go. Real movie coming out. All right, well, if we could ever get Bruce Willis and Harrison Ford in the same movie, they could just be both. Here's these other ones. Once Upon a Time in Venice and First Kill. First Kill is definitely straight to video. First Kill, he plays police chief. So, yeah, you know, that's, that's probably a big role. I think that's the starring role. <laughs> three hours, three days a week. <laughs> I want 25 mil, okay? Oh. Well, that's going to wrap up episode 312. We want to thank you guys for sticking with us on this episode and sticking with us throughout this year and all the years. As always, thanks, guys, for listening. And we can hear us on Stitcher, TalkShoe, iTunes, and, of course, MovieMavericks.com, where we have the latest reviews in our past podcast. Almost got off the whole thing out of my mouth. That's what uh, she said. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking for Trevor Anderson, I'm Jason Rugard, and we are the Movie Mavericks. Oh my, another magnificent episode has come to an end. If you're craving more, set your destination to moviemavericks.com, warp 9. Engage!